system is fucked because of money. Yeah. And uh, seeing people come together and acknowledge that, it did give me some hope. So I turned around and said, what the fuck? See a wall of cops. And the lieutenant points at me and says, him, get him. As the phone's ringing for my mom, I go to, like, Huffington Post and see a picture of me against a fence with a fucking cop with his nightstick cocked back. And my mom answers the phone and I'm just like, uh, do you have a computer on? Democracy How podcast has no relation to democracy now. I'm your host, uh, Sean Dunneman, blah, 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 piece of crap, uh, Karl Marx, communism, etc., etc. Oh, welcome. Welcome back. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, I'm sorry. If you've uh, been listening all along, I'm more sorry. The intro, where you listen to me for a couple minutes, no reason, complain, and then we get to the interview. Ah, today's episode is, uh, we're finishing up our discussion with Brent Schmidt, funny comedian, Occupy activist, we've left you on a cliffhanger, I don't know why I said we, I'm the only person really involved in this, I'm referring to me and my computer and this microphone. We, all the people involved here at the Democracy Out! podcast. Uh, I suppose it's weeks we're on the lovely Crab, Di- Crab Diving Network. Uh, check out the shows over crabdiving.com. Uh, all the other podcasts up there worth listening to. Anyway, so we're continuing our discussion with Brent Schmidt about Occupy. And I left you on a cliffhanger where he's uh, getting roughed up by the police. So we're going to get into that and what happened, the uh, fallout from getting uh, hit with a nightstick in the head. <laughs> A, uh, sure, traumatizing experience for anyone who has experienced it. If you hear that shaking, I'm uh, holding a nice coffee in my hand. Uh, and I just took a sip. And I'm not going to edit it out, because what's the point? Nobody's listening anyway. Anyway, what's happening? I think this episode we talk about, uh, Bernie Sanders a bit. So I think, uh... As opposed to my previous guests on the podcast, uh, I had uh, Facundo, who was all about a revolution to usurp capitalism. And then I talked to uh, Robin Upton of the Unwelcome Guest podcast, and uh, his idea was to build an alternate economy that could replace the capitalist economy. That was his idea, another sort of anarchist idea. Um, Brett is is more of a, um, I would say uh, progressive type uh i think uh, if you listen to our conversation today you'll see like you know he's still i think i'm sure uh occupy definitely changed um his mind uh on a lot of stuff or influenced him on, on how things work but um oh, we have some slight disagreements about uh you know where to go from here with it he, 
we talk about Bernie Sanders a lot, and my thing with Bernie Sanders is I, I like him. I like what he says, but ultimately, I hate this idea that he's uh, leading some kind of political revolution. Can we stop saying that? Can people stop saying he's leading a political revolution? That's not what a political revolution is. A political revolution is not running for president as a Democrat. That's not a revolution. That's completely the opposite of revolution. That's how everything is done. You're funneling all these resources into the system. That's, a, that's not a, the current system. That's not a revolution. That's just how things are done. And that's the crazy thing, too, is like we're led to believe that there's some kind of political revolution because Sanders is trying to get the system to work the way that we were sold and told that it was supposed to work, right? You know, at least for, uh, you know, white America anyway. And you're growing up in school and you go through social studies classes and, you know, civics classes in middle school and high school and they tell you this uh, rosy version of how everything works and how you're represented and how voting some kind of holy thing, you know. And then they, that magically everybody is represented through the system and everybody's voice is heard, and that's garbage, obviously. But then, And then we have Sanders being like, oh, taking all these small donations, that's good. Sure. His voice will probably be more representative of the voice of the people than the other uh, candidates, sure. But... What is it all for? Like, what happens? Because even if he gets elected president, he's not going to be able to really do anything. Like, first of all, he's not going to get the nomination. That's a whole other story to argue about whenever. I think maybe next time, I'll, uh, on the next episode, I'm gonna, I'll resume my street interviews with people, get their op- opinions on Bernie Sanders if I can. Like, uh, like, say we have this fantasy scenario where he gets elected president. What like I don't understand what's in people's minds of like what he's going to be able to accomplish. It's like the Republicans have stonewalled Obama, and Obama is just a neoliberal. He's just slightly, slightly to the left of them. So what do you think that Sanders is going to be able to accomplish? The only thing that the big accomplishments of Barack Obama has been destroying the Middle East, is continuing Bush's policies of destruction. I think Obama has destroyed more countries than Bush has. It's like liberals like to write it off as like, well, he's just, uh, Bush did it. It's Bush's fault. Yeah, well, Obama's continuing it and making it worse. Why does he get a free pass? Because of gay marriage and health care, which is a sham. Health care is a sham, not gay marriage. All right, anyway. Uh, but say, then what do you think Sanders going to accomplish? Like, Republicans say no to shut down Obama anytime he opens his mouth. You think they're going to give Sanders any leeway? Even if he has good intentions, he's not going to be able to get anything done. Like, people seem to think that he's going to magically be able to break up these big banks. That's not going to happen. That's just silly. You're pinning your hopes to something that's not going to happen. When you could be funneling that into a more constructive way, all that energy that's going into... Like, I know a lot of people who who were completely just disenfranchised from the system. Didn't really... Maybe they voted, but that was as far as they went with it. But now that Sanders is running, people are getting involved in his campaign... Like, just spending a lot of their time and energy to this campaign. And I feel like, and they're calling it a revolution. That's not a revolution. And they're going to be fucking heartbroken when it all goes to shit. And then what's going to happen with all that energy? Like, people are just going to go back to being disenfranchised zombies again. It's really, it's going to be counterproductive. Call it here at the Democracy How! podcast. 
Ah, oh, I gotta rub it in your dumb faces when it when it all goes to shit for Sanders. Ah, just kidding. I'm not going to. Because I actually feel like that's going to... Uh, if we could funnel that energy, and if when Sanders goes kaput, or in the unlikely scenario he gets the nomination and actually becomes president and then ends up being awful like Barack Obama, like, will people recognize it? Will people realize that, like, hey, there's no way we can do this. We can change things through voting. Anytime, anytime there's, like, super... Like, if he was leading a real revolution... The state, the system, they would delegitimize. I mean, there the media already delegitimizes him in numerous ways, sure, but we would see him really labeled a traitor, like like Jeremy Corbyn over in the UK became the minority leader. However, their parliamentary system works, I don't really know. Uh, but it was the generals were coming out and calling him like a, a national security threat, or even the. Prime Minister came out and said he was a national security threat, and Corbyn's just like a progressive. So, I don't know. I don't think it's good to pin our hopes on him. He's no Sanders is no Eugene V. Debs, uh, and even Debs was still the Debs was running for president from jail. <laughs> they they jailed him for speaking out against World War One. Like, if Sanders was that radical, he'd be in jail right now, not not sitting in the Senate, not running for president as a Democrat. It's not a revolution. Revolution requires, unfortunately, bloodshed. <laughs> People don't want to think about it. We want, I think the 60s were very damaging to everybody because they put in this idea that civil disobedience is the only way to make progress. It's like, how are you supposed to stop an oppressive force that's dedicated to violence? You're just gonna line up to get shot. It doesn't make much sense to me. I don't. Ad, I don't advocate violence. Like I don't think violence is a good thing. But it just doesn't make sense that you're. We're gonna supposed to just be passive and just let the machine run over us. Nah. And by us, I mean I'm. I'm. Not, I'm just getting a little side of the wheel running over me. I'm not getting the full full brunt force because I've. I've had a n- nice enough position in life where I. Don't get the completely steamrolled by everything. Uh, you know, being white and whatnot. And a dude. It's pretty great. But for the rest of the population that's just getting fucking steamrolled by this thing, you're just supposed to lie down? You're not supposed to just... I don't know. Maybe dismantle the steamroller? Throw a grenade at it? Just civil disobedience it? It doesn't make sense to me. So anyway... And I think that's one of the lessons from... If people didn't learn that from Occupy, like... It would be a lot harder to disperse Occupy if everybody there was armed. <laughs> Maybe it wouldn't have turned out to... I mean, it would have been a real bloody awful day in history, sure. But, like, what else do you need to see? Like, people were protesting inequality. People were protesting these banks running amok. Evicting people. Issuing bad mortgages. Selling off that debt that they knew couldn't get paid back. Like, it's it's a fucking crazy scheme that's going on. They they signed bad mortgages, loaned, <laughs> made these loans to people. They knew that they weren't going to pay them back. And then they repackaged all those loans, bad loan deals, and sold them for profit. It doesn't make sense. That doesn't make any sense. And then it all went kaput. Bubbles burst. Ugh. And people protested, as they should. They got mad... They sought 
to air their grievances. And what did the state do? Instead of listening to them, sent the cops through. Broke it up. And what happened with Black Lives Matter? Ferguson protests? Baltimore protests? Same thing. And now we... In in that short period of time, we see the police get even more militarized. That was like a four-year difference. Three-year difference. Now we see the cops come out with fucking tanks to disperse protests that were largely peaceful. Man. You know, a little glimmer of hope and not to... uh, uh, this is probably going to come out wrong. I've, I realize when I listen back to these things, I'm just kind of fucking rambling. It's like I've, I, I have so many thoughts firing in my head, and I'm not really articulating my point very well. But anyway, like I think one thing that we can learn from our uh, extended wars in the Middle East, sure, like they're terrible, but and I don't mean to come out in support of the Taliban, uh, but we're seeing like we have the, the United States has the world's largest army right or if not just largest army by numbers maybe china has more uh people serving but uh, we have the most technologically advanced army and we've been stuck in this fight <laughs> with these militant groups or armies or whatever what have you throughout the middle east with soviet era weapons you know and we've been stuck in it battling out so what will happen here, you know? I don't know. If there's an armed conflict, like, it, it, it makes you wonder. Like, maybe with all these fancy toys and everything that the United States military has, uh, maybe they could still be brought down. It's going to get ugly, is what I'm saying. They, eventually, it's going to devolve into a war. And who takes control? I don't know. Will be worse fascists? Or will people organize? Hopefully... When Sanders goes kaput and we really, like, what else do people need to see with the state cracking down on this shit? And the guy that has overwhelming popular support not getting nominated. How how can we hammer it into your head that this is not a democracy, your voice isn't represented? And what we need to do to, to, we gotta overthrow the state. If there's one thing I can convince you of, it's that we have to overthrow the state. Maybe you're committed to nonviolence and you want to do it peacefully. All right, I agree. Like, you should do that. But we have to do it. We have to organize. The state needs to go. So, on that note, let's uh, pick up over back with Brent Schmidt and uh, we'll. Uh, Finish up our interview, and we'll talk uh, police brutality. We'll talk about alternate states, and uh, see you at the end. Bye. So, because of the sound and the weird crack that it made, I thought he hit me with a radio. Because it sounded like a weird... Because you know when you like hit something hard with plastic? Like yeah, that yeah. kind of plastic crack sound? Right. That's what it sounded like. Uh-huh. But it was just my fucking head... So did you pass out? Did you get knocked no, out? No, I didn't even out? fall down. <laughs> Which is, like, I have points of pride about this whole thing, but, like, the one, like, bullshit masculine point of pride I had, like, as a man, that had to have affected him. Right. That he took a full swing with a fucking blunt object, concentrated force, to a weak spot on my head, 
And I just looked at him confused. <laughs> and so like, I just picture him just like looking at his baton later that night. After just like, fuck! in the jail cell and he's just like, hmm. Yeah. He's like tapping it on his hand. I guess like, it lost some of the old, uh... <laughs> yeah. Requisitions and new baton. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'm just losing it. I don't know. <laughs> So did you, you did you get thrown in a paddy wagon and arrested or hot tied well, with the zip tie? Uh, it was such a weird experience. Like, so I was cuffed for about forty five minutes total. And what happened was, so like I got thrown against the fence, and like and just just for the the story, I wasn't doing anything. It was the morning of the eviction. Yeah. It was when they were clearing out the parks. I had gone home earlier the night prior just to get some sleep. Didn't expect anything to be happening. Like, I just wanted a good night's sleep. And I woke up at, like, 4 a.m. to a bunch of texts and missed phone calls saying, like, dude, they're clearing out the fucking park. Like, if you're going to come, come now. Right. So I did, and, like, I took the subway into Manhattan, and I got there about 5 a.m. And when I got there, they had already cleared the park, and they had a perimeter, uh, like, two blocks away in all directions. So I came out of the subway at, like, Broadway and Pine, and which is like a block from Broadway and Wall Street. And the cops had the street blocked off and people were filling the street. So like, you know, I just walked into the group of people and eventually found a couple people that I knew and uh, we were talking and the cops were telling us we had to clear out of the street. So I did. Like my friend and I, like we walked to the sidewalk and we were hanging out on the sidewalk. And the cops, like, cleared everybody off the streets, like, kind of violently. You know, they were, like, you know, pushing people with their riot shields and shit. And uh, so then they had the street lined with cops. Like, everyone's on the sidewalk. The street is lined with cops so no one can get off of the sidewalk. And I just like the pep talk that must have went into, like, the, the police... That morning, like, we're going to scare the shit out of some people today. Dude, and it's we're weird. Gonna look real intimidating. Like, that's what they had to be like. For sure. We're going to scare the shit out of these hippies. And that's, like, that's the thing is, like... And then they were probably proud of themselves afterwards. Well, like, some yeah. of them... Like, one of the really heartening things was that some of the cops, you could look in their eyes through their riot shield see and their humanity. fucking visor helmet, and you could see that they were uncomfortable with yeah. what was happening. right. Um, and that was probably most of them. Yeah, it has to, right? Yeah. You would think that most people aren't sociopaths. But the ones but... that looked fucking comfortable, yeah. those are the monsters. Right. Because they're the ones who are like, fuck yeah, I finally get to do this. This is why I signed up to be a fucking cop. But it is disturbing that like, okay, so those guys who are just like, yeah, ready to bash skulls and they do, like... All right, well, that's what they had in mind, but it's sad to think that, like, good people can be affected by it and carry out a terrible deed yeah. because of the just following orders, like, yeah. being like, well, I gotta hit this kid, or, you know? So, so yeah, I mean, so you could see that difference just in the faces of some of them. Yeah. And then, uh, so my friend and I, so this is all in front of, um, oh, fuck, I can't remember, uh, Trinity Church. Yep. Uh, which is, like, one of the oldest churches in Manhattan, like... Alexander Hamilton, one of the fucking founding fathers, is buried in the cemetery at Trinity Church. So we're on the sidewalk in front of this, like, wrought iron fence of Trinity Church. And we're walking away from the cop line. Yeah. And there's this old hippie dude who is, like, we saw at Occupy all the time. And cops were kind of, you know, pushing people and people, you know, were getting pissed. Yeah. 
And this old hippie guy goes, Need I remind everyone we're in front of a church? This is sacred ground. <laughs> like he's a Highlander? Yeah, like just like, like an old wizard. Just like, this is hallowed ground. We must respect this land. Uh, so my friend who I was with, uh, who's also a comedian, just with the most disdain I've ever heard in someone's voice, just went, oh, shut up. <laughs> and I just started laughing and I was laughing really hard and then I felt a push in my lower back and we're walking away from the police line yeah I felt a push in my lower back well the state loves humor <laughs> <laughs> so I, yeah I feel a push in my lower back and I just thought it was like some douchebag kid yeah and I turned around and said what the fuck yeah and it was a wall of cops uh-huh. and one of them had pushed me in the back with his oh, nightstick yeah. Because they were just, like, rushing through the people. So I turned around, said, what the fuck, see a wall of cops, and the lieutenant points at me and says, him, get him! And, like, six cops grab me and throw me against the fence in front of this church. Wow. In, like, the cemetery of this church. And then I take one to the head, and then one of them grabs me by the hood, because I was wearing a hoodie, and, like, jerks yeah. me to turn me around. And as I'm getting turned around, I get hit, like, three or four times in the right. body. And then I finally have the awareness of, like, oh, shit, I should get on my knees. Yeah. And then I, like, dropped to my knees and, like, put my hands behind my back. And they were still rustling with me. Yeah. So I'm just, like, screaming I'm not resisting. Um, so then eventually... That sounds like resisting talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, so, so then a cop, like, eventually cuffs me. Like, puts the, like, zip cuffs on me. Yeah. And starts walking me back to the paddy wagon. And, like... I've had head injuries before, and it's kind of weird, because it doesn't hit you immediately. I think your brain has, like, a survival mechanism where it's like, we've got to keep going until we can get out of this fucking situation. Then we'll see what's not working. Yeah. So, so like, I, you know, I'm hitting the head, I get cuffed, this cop's walking me to the paddy wagon, and I have this moment where I'm like, I have to humanize myself to him. Yeah. I have to make him know that Like you would with a serial killer. Yeah. And, uh, and... And I was, I was like, you know, is, is it just you on the job, or like, is you know, is your family, you know, working law enforcement? He's like, nah, just me. I was like, ah, yeah. My dad was a cop for twenty five years. I never thought I'd see a day where I get hit in the head with a nightstick by a white shirt for being on a sidewalk. <laughs> and his head kind of dropped. And so, like, he walked me to the paddy wagon, and like. When I left home that morning, I left pretty much everything at home because I thought there was a chance I would get arrested. So all I had in my pockets were my ID and um, a pack of cigarettes and a lighter and my Metro card. So, like, he takes the stuff out of my pockets and has the little arrest card and is writing down all my information. And then a sergeant comes around and takes the card and looks at it and then stops and he's like, what's the charge? And my arresting officer said, I don't know. <laughs> And the sergeant's like, well, then why is he here? Yeah. And the officer's like, well, because one of my superiors told me to arrest him, so I did. Yeah. And the sergeant's like, well, who was the superior? And the guy was like, I don't know. (laughs) That's frightening. And it's not, though. Because, like, because what, like, I think, I don't think it was, like, a scare, like, that way. Because, like... The sergeant went away and came back a couple times and basically had the same conversation with this cop. Yeah. And at one point, at one point, another kid who was, like, arrested, 
uh, where it was le- that was legitimately what happened. The cop didn't. The arresting officer didn't see the because sup- like because the sergeant was asking my officer like was it a was it a tall guy, short guy, black guy, yeah. white, and he's just like I don't know. Yeah, and he's like I didn't see, and uh, and you know there's another kid who's brought over where the arresting officer just legitimately didn't see. You know he was just what didn't see what happened, didn't know so. Uh, but that kid was kind of, like, resisting and being a shithead to the cops. And they're like, I'm just standing there quietly. Yeah. And so the legal liaison, like, this captain who on his vest has a patch that says legal liaison, uh, comes up and, like, is talking to the sergeant about the other guy. And the legal liaison says, just put me down as the arresting officer. I'll take care of it later. Yeah. So in my head, I'm like, oh, I'm fucked. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing's gonna happen to me. So... The legal liaison and the sergeant take my arresting officer off to the side and they're having a conversation with him probably 10, 15 feet away from me. So I can't hear what's ha- what they're saying. Until all of a sudden I hear my arresting officer loudly say, I'm not going to make up a story. <laughs> and I realize, like, that guy fucking saved me. Yeah. Um, so the higher ups, the, like, the brass, if you will, wanted him just to be like, well, just say anything. Yeah. And we'll just throw him in yeah. the cell. Yeah. And he was like, no. Good. Well, I mean... Isn't that amazing? Isn't that fucking incredible? Yeah. Like, that's so cool. Like, he saved me. Um, So then... That's fucking scary that that's what they were doing. Like, that was their strategy? Yeah. It's like, we'll just make it up and nobody's gonna, like... For sure. Nobody's gonna call us on it. Yeah. Um, So then, like, eventually, like... I was cuffed for, like, 45 minutes. And, like, they put those zip cuffs on really tight. Like, I was yeah. starting to lose feeling in my thumbs. Yeah. And they eventually cut them off. And as they were cutting them off, I tried to grab them. Yeah. Just to, like, have the souvenir. Right. And the sergeant just pulled them out of my hands and threw them on the ground. <laughs> and b- before he cut them off, he, w- he got in my face and he was like, Listen, you're lucky. You're- we're letting you go this time. But we have your information, and if we pick you up again, you're not going to get away. And then he cut me loose and threw the things on the ground. And that's when the head injury was just starting to hit me. So I'm just starting to get, like, dizzy and off balance. And I walk out of the area of the police barricades. And this guy with a camera comes up to me. And he's like, hey, Lieutenant Hayward. And I was like what he's like lieutenant hayward that's the name of the cop that hit you in the head yeah i was like (laughs) what oh my god thank you and he's like yeah i'm a i'm a photographer and i got some pictures like i already sent them out on the wire yeah um but you know i'll take your information and i can get them all updated and i was like sure cool and uh so like he took my name and stuff and then I wandered lower Manhattan for like two hours with a severe head injury. Just kind of aimless. You didn't go to the hospital or anything? Dude, I didn't have insurance. Yeah. I didn't have a job. That'll do it. Uh, so yeah, so I just like couldn't. And so I just wandered around Manhattan, not sure where everyone had ended up because Occupy had been fucking dispersed. Um, so then I eventually found a park where people were meeting and ran into some comedians that I knew that were there like meeting up. And one of them took a picture of the fucking line on the side of my head from the nightstick. And then this, uh, this lady photographer also approached me and she was like, 
hey, what's your name? And I was just like, Brent Schmidt. And she's like, I got some pictures of you. They're already out on the wire. I'll get them updated. So again, I didn't have my cell phone at this point because I left it at home because I thought I might get arrested. And cops were like fucking with people's phones when they would right. get arrested. Like they were just smashing people's phones or like clearing the data. Um, so, so, you know, it's like three hours. Th- Actually, it's more than that because like, it happened at, like, I got hit at, like, 5.15. Like, yeah. 15 minutes after I got downtown. And then I got cut loose at about 6. I just feel, I like imagining the officer being like, eh, it's 5 o'clock somewhere! <laughs> yeah! And then he with the baton. <laughs> uh, so then, yeah, I was cuffed and shit for, like, 45 minutes, so I got cut loose at around 6. And I just wandered uh, for a couple hours, and then found the park, found my friends and stuff, and then I was like, I'm gonna head home. And, uh, and I went back to Brooklyn. I got home at about 9 a.m.-ish. And I was like, I gotta call my mom before she wakes... My mom in South Dakota in, like, mountain time. So it's like 7 a.m. there, so I know she'll just be waking up. And, uh, and I call her as I get home. And I'm sitting on my computer, and I see I have a bunch of notifications. Uh... And, like, text messages and shit that are all saying, like, go to CNN.com. Like, go to fucking Huffington Post. Like, check out uh, MSNBC. And as the phone's ringing for my mom, I go to, like, Huffington Post and see a picture of me against a fence (laughs) with a fucking cop with his nightstick cocked back. And my mom answers the phone and I'm just like, uh, do you have a computer on? (laughs) She's like, no, why? I'm like, just go turn it on. And that's the way I told her that I got the shit kicked out of me by cops is by making her look at look at pictures of it. Did she? Was she? Were your parents? Because uh, like, I, I imagine if I told that story to my mom, well, she'd be concerned about me, but she would assume it was my fault. She'd be like, well, Lieutenant Hayward was in the right. You would be in a jerk. See, that's the thing. Did, like, did your parents like support you in this, or do they think you're weird for uh, attending these protests and being like? Uh, kind of both um like yeah they my mom is against me being involved in stuff yeah because like at one point like i went after all this like i went home to south dakota to like recover for a while yeah because like i was fucked up from the head injury right um and uh she was like don't get involved in that stuff you know it's it's not worth dying for and in my head i'm like well then what is yeah like, so, so, like, she's not supportive of that, and, like, she hasn't expressed many opinions, but my dad was furious about yeah. the cop, because, yeah. like, he was a cop for, like, 25 years, and he said, the first thing you learn with nightsticks is you never hit anyone in the head or the chest, right. because you can cause permanent damage or fucking kill somebody. Right. And the fact that he was a lieutenant and did that means, like, he doesn't have the excuse of, like, being a rookie who just, like got two in the moment. I'm so sorry. I do like the idea of, like, being in Cop Academy and just, like, taking batons and, like, nah, today we're working on Charlie horses. It's like, no head, just the inner thigh. Seriously, that's Bye. that's that's all it's supposed to be is, like, legs. Yeah. Like, uh, oh, man, yeah. We, we Listen, cops, you don't have to shoot us with pellet guns or tear gas or anything. Yeah, a well-placed Charlie horse will incapacitate Dude, if you hit somebody in the leg with a fucking nightstick, do you know how bad that hurts? Yeah. Like, you don't even have to hit them hard. They're going to go down. Yeah. Um, so you got swinging at the head first. Bold choice. Yeah. Yeah, really. What a fucking just weak man. 
Um, but yeah, so my dad was, like, furious about that, and then, like, I, I lawyered up and everything eventually, I, and I was kind of conflicted about it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but then, you know, whatever. And my lawyer found that Lieutenant Joseph Hayward, that's right, New York Police Department's Lieutenant Joseph Hayward, uh... <laughs> has been involved in at least three or four other excessive force cases and has been exonerated every time. Wow. And, like, New York City Police Department lieutenants make, like, six figures a year. Yeah. So he's been promoted and shit while continuing to perpetuate this behavior. So what is that saying about, like... And we went through mediation with, like, a mediator, and the mediator was, like, looking at the pictures and looking at the news stories, and then read Lieutenant Hayward's statement, and he's like, well, he's clearly lying. (laughs) Because in his... And there's video. There's video leading up to it. You can't see... There's video of it, like, I'm surrounded by cops in the video by the time, like, I'm actually getting hit. But you can see that I wasn't doing anything. Right. Um, and in his statement, first, uh, Hayward said he didn't remember it. So then the next time around... Yeah, you know, cops always, they don't remember when they baton somebody. Yeah. They don't remember how many times they shoot somebody with their gun. Yeah, because, I mean, it's just the job, day in, day out. Uh, and, uh, then he eventually said that I charged the police line, you know, the way people do. Uh, that common occurrence of, like, there's a line of armed people who are already hostile towards me. I'm totally unarmed, and you have been a pacifist for my life. Yeah. Uh, let me just, you know, take a run at them. <laughs> you know, take a run at their wall of fucking shields. <laughs> and then he said he only hit me in the shin, which, strangely, the one place I didn't get hit. Wow. Fucking head, torso, kicked in the ass, hit in the legs upper legs, but no shins. Uh, so, yeah, so even the, the mediator was like, yeah, he's clearly lying. Yeah. But he had already been exonerated, so there was nothing that would happen to him ever. Wow. Um, and, like, the, the New York Police Department has what's called the Civilian Complaint Review Board, which is how you file grievances against the NYPD. <laughs> and their average investigation takes 15 months. Wow. It's insane. And it was almost to the day. I'm sure yeah. they finished them early, but they're just like, yeah, what are we going to acknowledge the people and their concerns? Yeah. Because, like, their, their, like, punishment rate is absurdly low. Right. Like, I mean, I'm not saying all of the filings are legitimate, but you got to think at least a couple of them are. Right. Like, even in small towns where there are, like, 15 cops... One of them eventually fucks up. Right. And, like, I don't know, I would think a lot of those would be legit. Yeah. I'd say a majority of totally. them. Totally. Because who's going to go out of their way? Like, well, people and, who, like, because if you have to fill out an official complaint, like, even people who are harassed, and you have like, to, like, don't do that. I'm you sure have to do, like, do t- recorded testimony and yeah. shit. And, uh, and yeah, and, like, the thing is, the New York Police Department's one of the largest standing armies in the world. Yeah. It's 30,000 members. That's absurd. Right. And you gotta think, hey, if the Dude, in a town of 30,000 people, murders happen. Yep. Like, every year. And, like, 
murders with no justification, no, like, crime of passion backing. Yeah. Just bullshit fucking murders. So why would you think that within that population, that wouldn't happen occasionally? Right. Where they're fucking at fault. Right. Especially when it's widely known the practices of this specific department have employed violence as a tactic. Right. Like, that's what they, like, that was, like, an organizational thing, like, response to the protests. Right. Um, that is a good, uh, well, just, like, seeing the real role of the police in society, like, is a huge thing, too. Because, like, you know, like, I came from suburbia, white suburbia. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you grow up and, like, you kind of, you know, you're a teenager, you think cops are dicks. And in the college, when you're just, like, trying to underage drink, it's yeah. like, cops are dicks or whatever. But you didn't, like, I didn't, you know, a part of my head was, I was just like, well, he was just trying to do his job, you know, I'm not supposed to be drinking. Yeah. Or whatever I was doing at the time, you know? Uh, so, like... Part Why of me does he give a it. shit? Right. <laughs> Part of me just saw, I was like, well, that's what they do. But then I get older, and then you realize, like, no, the function of cops is just, like, so far out there. It really is just, their main goal is to suppress an uprising. To suppress and, and to make money. And to continue uh, keeping a class divide. There needs to be a class line. There needs to be, the people who have a lot in society need protection, and they have a lot of protection yeah. through a lot of things, and the cops are one of those layers of protection. Because it's like, every statistic that you read, it's not like the rich do drugs in a like, lower proportion than poor people. It's the same proportion, but they get arrested way, it's way, It's just, way they less, ha- and they have you know? way more of a cushion to fuck up with. Right. Because, <laughs> like, if, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, it doesn't take much for your life to completely fall apart. Right from drugs if you're a fucking billionaire yep yeah you're probably good yeah you're good for a while <laughs> <laughs> yeah keep the new livers coming yeah yeah we'll just like keep harvesting from kids in you know parts of the world that I don't care about I just go to vacations on and uh you know bring on that heroin yeah <laughs> the good stuff huh <laughs> oh man do you think, like, do you have any hope do you think like uh, was overall like Occupy a hopeful experience like did it for even and all of it's for failure, failures and successes or anything. Did it, at the very least, did it fill you up? Did oh you yeah, feel like something's gonna happen soon. Like I mean, it really. It, I think it really reinvigorated me um, in a lot of ways, and it definitely gave me hope. Like seeing those numbers of people coming together for something that you know is like a legitimate problem. Yeah. Like, our system is fucked because of money. Yeah. And uh, and seeing people come together and acknowledge that, it did give me some hope. Um, I mean, the fact that it was fucking cracked down on a nationwide level uh, by the forces that we were trying to appeal to, uh, that was a little disheartening. But that's not what it's about. Mm. Because we, are, we knew the system was fucked before. Right. It's still fucked. But we also know that we're not alone being angry. And also, I would add, uh, seeing the state react that way and shut it down and crack it down uh, countrywide and almost globally Mm -hmm. uh, really makes you see and understand how much the state fears the people. They really fear them. Like, they know something bad's on the horizon and they can't have people, like, because they know the majority is against them. Yeah. And they know if the majority ever becomes an organized unit, they're going down. Uh, do you think, though, like, uh, 
do you think Bernie Sanders, who's currently running for president, do you think Sanders is the guy who's going to do that? Do you think he's going to be able to? I would love Bernie Sanders to get in. He would fuck so much stuff up. It would be so awesome. It would be so cool to just see him dismantle shit and just, like, throw monkey wrenches wherever the fuck he wants. Do you think he could, though? Like, because what, I mean, the thing, so the, the, I'm, I'm divided mm-hmm. on him. I like, I like all of his rhetoric. I, mm-hmm. I, I think he's right about a lot of things. I agree with him on a lot of things. I just can't foresee, like, number one, him getting the nomination over yeah. Clinton, and then if he does get, even if he does get elected president, how does he make those claims? Like, how does it, how does it so get there? I think part, okay, so, like, yeah, I, I like him as an idea, I don't know that he'll actually, like, that there's any chance of him actually getting in, but I think part of the problem is too many of the recent presidents have been worried about like going forward and like the next presidency and like you know what happens after that and already going in they're already in you know serving the interests of the fucking major corporations yeah so because of that they have to tiptoe around certain things within the presidency and can't address things within the presidency in the ways that they'd like to yeah but if bernie sanders this like fucking high school teacher looking motherfucker that doesn't give a shit that is like this is all fucked gets in there, he's gonna find ways to fuck stuff up. I hope so. Like, I think, at the very least, like, Sanders running, like, uh, it, it, it has to be a direct product of stuff like uh, Occupy and, like, the Black Lives Matter, like, yeah. protests. That's another huge protest. I want to talk about that in a second. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't think if you, if you didn't have Occupy, you wouldn't even have Bernie Sanders right now, who... Maybe, like, he's a secret scoundrel and all he's doing is, play, is paying lip service to people to, to court uh, the progressive vote in for Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Uh, he, that's a real possibility. He seems sincere to me. Um, yeah, I don't think he cares enough about the system to, yeah. to, like, to kowtow in that way. Yeah, but then, like... He, at very least, is making... Uh, however the media is going to cover it, we'll see... Uh, when things get really heated between him and Clinton, but he's clearly got the popular like the popular vote. It seems like to me it would be almost like I don't believe any of the polls that come in that show Hillary way ahead. Like I really don't think so. I think Sanders has, has probably got the bulk of population behind him, and it's going to be really interesting to see how he gets discredited or how they try and delegitimize him. If he st- if he maintains like if he's sincere and he really has these beliefs, I think we're going to see them like cut him down pretty hard. And he, I think he's still going to have the popular vote behind him. Because uh, that happened in, like, the 60s with, uh, what's his name? Uh, like, Eugene McCarthy, I think? He was, like, the Democratic... I mean, he had he was, like, a populist like Bernie Sanders. Yeah. I think it was in 68 when RFK was running. And uh, he, he actually had the popular support, but then they gave the nomination to... Uh, who was it? The vice president at the time under Johnson that i forget his name but i can see it falling that way like so if you see he sticks to his principles like sure the democratic party is just gonna be like nah fuck this yeah and then give it to even despite his popularity give it to like clinton or i mean she's a clear front runner but i also think so and the media is spinning this lie that like they're just talking about him like can he win of course he can win mm-hmm. he's he if we had a fair election he would win yeah i really think he would uh so it'll be really interesting to see if he gets the nomination. Um, is he just paying lip service? And like, if he does, in a long shot, get elected president, 
uh, is he going to make, like, how is he going to bring about these changes? Yeah. And I don't even think, like, at the very base level, though, like, with all that, at least he's making people focus on income inequality is this huge thing about regulating the banks, income inequality. That needs to be talked about the most. Yeah. And just turn people's heads on to it, like, because uh, then you said, like, that's what happened with me and Occupy. I started seeing it. I started, like, the concept of the 99%. I'm like, well, what is it? Mm-hmm. And then I started looking up, like, economics, started reading more about it and, like, really trying to understand it. And there needs to be... Um, that should be the most talked about thing in our society, and it's one of the least talked yeah. about things. Well, and I think I think the way it's talked about needs to change. Mm, it's very controlled because you, you yeah. have to have a very specific opinion that fits in with how things are working currently. Well, because I mean, especially with the public perception, I think the biggest problem is like this is one of the things that annoys me so much is hearing like Republicans talking about people abusing welfare and taking advantage of these government assistance programs that are in place to provide assistance to people who need them. Yeah. Uh, and when people take advantage of those programs, you know, the conservatives are like, they're leeches, you know, they're taking advantage of, of this, this country. Uh, whereas when these corporations figure out loopholes to get billions of dollars in tax breaks, yeah. that's just called good business. Right. Those things are both put in place for the people that are using them. Yep. Why is the one that's actually taking fucking billions of dollars in many instances yep. more of a... Or, like, how is that less of a problem and, like, just considered good business when people that fucking need help, people that don't have the money for fucking food... Or to put a roof over their goddamn heads. Yeah. Like, oh, they're leeches. They're just taking advantage of the system. Yeah. Oh, fuck you. You don't even know what's going on. Or they do know what's going on and they're just playing to the lowest common denominator. But I mean, these are like, (laughs) these are like farmers in South Dakota. Yeah. That... Oh, you're talking, you're not talking about politicians. No. I'm talking about about people. people. The people who are manipulated in that way and like, yeah... You know, like, my girlfriend got into, a, like, an argument with her mom about that. Because she's just, like... she Her mom's, like, been apolitical. Like, she never voices, like, any real strong opinions about anything. She's a super nice lady. But then, uh... Yeah, they got into a fight because she said something about, like, illegal immigrants and stuff. And they're like, why are they here? And it's like, what? So you had to pick that up from someone. Because yeah. you just, like, she's just not that interested in politics. Fair enough. But it's like, when that starts, like... It's like, well, why do you think that now? Like, how did they get in your head? Like, who's putting that out there? Why? Well, uh, and also, like, you're... Like, that's an uneducated opinion because America is a nation of immigrants. Right. And that very small logic, like, that is... I mean, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. fucking like, cause matter. It would be like, because it's not, like, based on a logic. It's based on just, like, a feeling. Yeah. And that's... But, like... Yeah, that comes back to like the how do you get how do you politically educate like that whole group of people? Do you know like I think to get in in their own interests like I think all of conservatives' fears, like literally all of their fears and their their death grip on the status quo, it all comes down to the fear that their daughter's gonna fuck a black guy. <laughs> Like, I, I think that's what 90% of it is motivated by. That it's somehow going to lead to their daughter, or even worse, their son fucking a black guy. And they just can't have that world. So they're doing everything they can yeah. to keep everything how it is, so their daughter won't fuck a black guy. 
which leads us to Black Lives Matter. Uh, <laughs> I think there's a lot Black of Black Cox to that. Matter. I think there is a lot of truth to that because that's that is one of the ways white supremacy manifests itself is just like towing the race line. You have to keep keep the whites with the whites and the colors with the colors like that. That is still a disgusting thing that permeates. I like obviously uh, in support of the Black Lives Matter protests and there are the massive protests going on do you think that's like even less covered by the media because uh, obviously the race issue because um, it's been like if you look at the two major protest movements right, uh, in the last five years it's been Occupy and now Black Lives Matter uh, I think it would be great if they somehow and the next one merges all those things Occupy so, like, Black Lives <laughs> yeah Occupy Black Lives <laughs> Like, because, you know, I just don't see a major change happening until, like, the real economic issue. Like, economics, to me, is, like, the biggest tool of white supremacy. So, unless you merge these two ideas, like, we're just going to get, like, lip service. Like, you're not going to make a fundamental change until you really change the economics. Yeah, for Um, sure. Because the economics, like, I mean, I do believe, like, you know, there's a... We can classify society into like two general classes, and it's like the ruling class and the working class. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you can break down those down, but like, if you look at the working class, like, you know, obviously the elite class is made up of more white people. Probably, I don't know the numbers, but I would assume uh, percentage-wise, like the class line toes the race line pretty yeah. close. Uh, so they're both; they need to both be addressed. Yeah. And until they are, like, yeah, my God, like. Yeah, I don't know. I think we all just need to do a bunch of psychedelics and realize none of it fucking matters. Shouldn't that be, like, that should be, like, I wish the government, I mean, it will never happen, but, like, it should be on the school lunch menu, just, like, psilocybin mushrooms. Not on the lunch menu, but, like, like, the way that sex education is done in high school, they should just have a day where they take, like, sophomores out to the desert and give them fucking mushrooms (laughs) and just let them, like, see... Yeah. No, you know what? No, not high school. I, I think trips, a lot of good trips are wasted on the young. Because they're doing it like, we gotta get fucked up, let's get mushrooms! And it's yeah. like, no, that's not the point. Uh, so, okay, so maybe, maybe like, at 21, there's a government program where everyone has to go to the desert and do fucking ayahuasca. <laughs> and then you're just sent back to your city to just love everyone and be a functioning member of the world. And not a self-involved fucking ego monster. Well, the problem with that is once you realize, when you come to that conclusion, if you have everyone come to that conclusion, then the government disappears. Yeah, and exactly. No more. You can't have that program. Totally, totally. Yeah, but then I mean, then you just have a dude that's like growing roots and cooking up some brew in the fucking desert, and uh, you know everybody can just come hang out and do it. <laughs> there doesn't need to be a government. No, there doesn't need to be. No. And I think, like... Well, at this point, people are still too stupid and self-involved and selfish. Yeah. So there kind of is a need. But I think, idealistically, our species has the capacity to not oh, need Oh, we were government. living without a government for most of uh, humans. Like, like, well, human beings have existed for 200,000 years, roughly, yeah. as, as our genetic species. Now, the Earth and is only like, 6,000 years old. <laughs> the Earth is only 6,000 oh, years right, old, clearly. Yeah, yeah. so 6,000 years old. That history book, the Bible. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> Uh, for really only like the last 10, 20,000 years has there been what we call like civilization yeah. states, like actual states. Before it was just people living in tribally yeah. and in you know different various ways of social organization. So when you think about that, it's like, well, you know what? In all the time that we're tribal, say, or barbarism or however you want to classify it, 
in like a hundred thousand years. At no point in that hundred thousand years, like sure there was still all the bad things that happened, like murder mm-hmm. and rape. I'm sure, like it just wasn't recorded really. Uh, but there was no real state, and they also made it that entire time without destroying the world. And then we've had this very brief period of what we call civilization, and our very brief like period of what we call cat like under capitalism, which is in under industrial capitalism, which has really been in the last like two hundred years. Yeah, and now we're on the brink of just like nuking the, the everybody. Being done. Yeah, the, the, like we're gonna have a drastic drought, and we're gonna have food crop failures. And, Do you like, see the thing? Bu- like, are, like uh, what's it called? Not vaccines. Uh, uh, viruses? No, no, no. What's the opposite of virus? Not opposite of virus. This is bad. Bacteria. Yeah. Uh, antibiotics. That's the word I was thinking of. Antibiotics are going to stop working. Yeah. Uh, we're in for a big Well, did shift, you see so. the thing? I just saw a news story today where uh, they're using, like, climate modeling and they're predicting basically a small ice age as soon as 2030. Wow. <laughs> I see that. Oh, <laughs> Fun. Get your coats, kids. Yeah. And that's, like... And I think... We kind of have this idea of, number one, it won't be that bad. Like, everyone's in collective denial over it. Like, even I can't imagine what that would be. I can't imagine not having my food source readily available to me. I can't no. imagine it. I understand that, it's, that that could happen, but I don't know what that would be. And then, like, we're all in this collective denial when numbers are pointing in the complete opposite. And we're just like, eh, fuck it, I guess. We'll see. It's well, that's, that's why I almost have a level of respect for the idealist Christians that sincerely believe like there are people where I'm from that sincerely voiced opinions that like God put everything here for us and he will take care of us before it all runs out well let's see if it happens (laughs) how fucking arrogant is that but how cool if it pans out Uh, No, I mean yeah he'll take care of us because like we won't have an atmosphere and we'll just be turned into fucking jerky as a species yeah I don't like I think and I you know I would consider myself an atheist or whatever I don't believe in God Uh, but I also think part I think some of the atheist community or like people consider themselves like rationalists or whatever humanists or whatever they consider themselves like they're still like or futurists. There's like a whole sect of people that really believe that like we'll invent something, like something we'll make something that makes everything kind of okay. It's like who's doing that and why? See, and will they do it before things get so bad that it like kills off like millions or billions of us? See, I kind of like I don't know that I specifically like align my ideology with that. Yeah. But I do like most of the greatest innovations of human history have come at times that they were needed. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of the stuff, I feel like a lot of the, like, next level technology has already been developed. They're just kind of milking this shit until it's no longer profitable. Right, like Like, the oil industry? Yeah, like like alternative fuels for sure, they know what's next. Right. But I think Elon Musk is fucking that up. Yeah, I read something I didn't, uh, He's, yeah. I read a headline, I don't think I read the article. Something about him uh, releasing a... A battery, or a battery like that? that can power homes, because yeah. the the biggest drawback to solar power right now is there's there aren't efficient means of storing it. Yeah. So you pretty much only have solar power when you have access to sunlight. So just mm. during the day. So this is a battery that goes in your house. And it's just this panel that goes on the wall, and it can power your house for like a couple days. Yeah. And it can just use solar energy to be charged. And then 
like they've done the math on how many of these units it would take to power the entire country and the square mileage or square footage or whatever of like what we would need for current technology solar panels. Yeah. Um, so they could just completely fucking disrupt the energy market. Right. Like if if there are efficient enough means of gathering solar energy and people can just have a battery to keep it, fuck your grid. Yeah. Why would I pay monthly? Right. Like the sun's just giving it to us. Well, well, I think what will happen. Well, there. First of all, like, like, yeah, I, I think that technology is already here. And what's scary is like they're just rolling the dice. Like they know that it, the technology is going to be, re- you know, oil burning is going to be replaced or phased out by new technology. They know that. They mm-hmm. like oil uh, fill, uh, phased out coal. Like the scary thing is like for the last like thirty or so years, forty or so years, they're like, listen, like science was already like, listen, we can't. You got to stop burning stuff. You got to stop. And if we if they didn't listen at that point and they stopped listening, like they're like we're just gonna do what we're gonna do. Like you're taking a huge roll of the dice that you don't fuck over everybody. They didn't, and so like like that's so sc- you know what? I them. honestly I honestly don't think they thought it was possible. I honestly don't think for a lot of this time anyone thought that us this like dumb species could fuck up the planet. <laughs> No one thought it was possible, so we're just like, yeah, we'll keep dumping the styrofoam into the ocean, burning it, fucking whatever. We can't affect this. Do you know how big our planet is? And then one day we're just like, oh, God, I guess we did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're stupid. So, like, I think, though, like, even if you have the uh, solar technology, what will happen is, like, what needs to happen is, like, uh, again, like, that becomes, like, a public uh, patent where, like, anybody... He's, he's already released it open source. Oh, good. Like, dude, Elon Musk is fucking awesome. I hope, like, like corporations don't, like, co-op that, take it, and then instead of... It's, like, becomes, like, your cable box, where instead of just, like, having it and you can do you it, rent it, you have to rent it and pay a monthly fee. Which, I mean, yeah, like, that's anything. Like, people can yeah. do that with fucking TVs. There yeah. are rental services to get, you know, rent-to-own TVs and shit. Yeah. Um... But, I mean, I still think that's... I mean, like, that will disrupt so much. If we have efficient means of harvesting solar energy, then, you know, we can... And there are already people working on stuff like that, of implementing, like, roads, like, road surface systems that conduct electricity and can, like, you know, give electricity to the vehicles so they're being powered by the road instead of having to have, like, a fuel source. And the thing is, if it's all just solar energy, then all we have to do is maintain the equipment to gather it, and then there's no cost to generate the electricity. So it's basically free energy. And if we have free energy, that eliminates so many of the issues that we have on Earth. Right. Um... And, you know, and I think, so I think that's going to be... Until a, the sun gods get real angry. Until Ra stops <laughs> canoeing it across the sky. Uh, and and uh, so I think that's going to be a huge change for, um, for energy. And we that's, just have to not kill ourselves before that happens. For sure. <laughs> uh, and then I think the other thing with water, mm. um, I think we're going to figure out desalination... Like, I, I mean, I think we're close enough to having it be efficient enough to be worth the cost. Yeah. Um, well, that's the other thing, too, is, like, you know, if we fix the economics, like, it wouldn't even be, like, the cost would be absorbed by society. 
like we would understand that this needs to be done so it will be done it doesn't yeah. need to be done by like when the market dictates like you can make profit off it it needs to be done because it needs to be done yeah, like I think to... that's also part of the thing sorry to take this down commie road but it's like one of the assumptions of capitalism is that it works out the most efficient way possible and it doesn't always so yeah. now we're in this big gamble of like hopefully we get on a free energy source soon when all like the last like 50 years or so we could have collectively being like coming up with a new way rather than having science like yeah, suppressed I mean, on it also a lot of the communism can be efficient but i mean a lot of the technology that ends up being used for it isn't developed for that initially a lot yeah. of you know a lot of like scientific applications are things that are accidentally created for different uses right and you know then they just realize like oh it applies for this so I feel like a lot of the technology that's emerging now and is available and that we can use to, you know, to actually make these things feasible and viable options uh, is technology that we just now have the access to because of, like, current methods of production and, you know, ways that everything has been kind of industrialized and economized. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, so that there's the efficiency to be able to actually, you know, do these things, especially on the scale that they need to be done at. Yeah. Um, well, that's one of the things, well, like, like uh, you know, with communism, like Lenin said, is like, we already have, like, through capitalism, we've reached, like, uh, like, socialized labor force like we have a highly socialized labor force what we don't have is uh, uh sharing of the uh reward from yeah it. so that's it's private uh, private um control the means of production and private reap of the rewards when it's really the bulk of society is working on this stuff it's so like capitalism has put in place like these wonderful fa- like when the russian revolution like they took over the factories and like, yeah we run this now and uh we can use the framework uh, that the old capitalist system leaves behind and just socialize. Yeah, that's it just the needs thing. to be like a, a mental change for everybody. It's just like, no, no, we can pretty much keep the production, pro- like things running through factories and stuff in the similar process. Totally. It's just we all, it's, we collectively share this and we share this duty and then we also, uh, we all take the reward and we just create for society's needs. That's the thing. <laughs> like, if the system collapses, nothing needs to stop. Because yep. the system isn't a real thing. Right. Like, we it's can all idea. just keep going to fucking work. <laughs> right. And then the world just keeps going. Yeah. Like, no, no, it's just an idea. And it's an idea of stability. But the thing is, I feel like if you pull it out, and then people are like, wait, my car still works? Uh, I'm still getting Netflix. Uh, well, shit, I guess we can just keep going. Like, I don't know. Because there will be, like... There will be people still there, like, working the levers, you know? Like, yeah. Like, ah, I gotta do what I gotta do! Yeah. <laughs> Just, like, pulling levers. And society would can function uh, without the car. And I think that's... Because what are we... Things. Like, imagine that. If the government just collapsed, what are we gonna do? Yeah. Like, we're just all gonna stop going to work and, like, what, hanging out in the streets? Right. Just right. waiting for them to slowly, like, fall apart? Yeah. I think, like... You would see people. Fall. I think what you would see in that example, if society collapses, provided there's no like takeover, and they start cracking down on martial law, yeah. would I would assume be their first reaction is like, oh, get these people. Oh shit! Killed. But yeah, I think you would see like what happened in Occupy. People come together in a community, figure out how to make that community work. Yeah. That's all. Do you want to plug anything that you're working on or anything like that? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at I am Brent Schmidt. And uh, my buddy Jesse Case has cancer, 
Uh, so he's doing a podcast about it, and it's really beautiful and honest and hilarious. Uh, and it's called Jesse vs. Cancer, uh, J-E-S-S-E-V-S-C-A-N-C-E-R.com. Um, yeah, check it out, support him, uh, you know, it's dark and, you know, that's life. <laughs> Very good. Alright, thanks for being with me. Yeah, no problem, man. Thanks for having me. Okay, gotta get out of here, running long again. Uh, thanks to Brent Schmidt. Uh, check out Jesse vs. Cancer Podcast. Thanks to Crab Diving Network. Check out those shows. Uh, if you want to email me, democracyhowpodcast at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at democracyhow. Thank you. Goodbye.